jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. Arts and culture. And now, cover girl. This is Under the Covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net Welcome to Under the Covers with Claire Connors, a monthly podcast about the making of those glossy magazine covers we all know and love. I'm here today with my co-host, Zach Wojner. That's me. And our guest today is Michelle Shapiro, one of the original triple threats in the publishing world. Michelle is a celebrity wrangler, a writer, and an editor. Today, Michelle and I will be dishing the dirt on some of our favorite celebrity cover girls, their wacky publicists, and the process of booking a cover from the first call to the final shot at a cover shoot. She'll also share with us which of her magazine covers have stood the test of time and the ones she'd rather forget. Welcome to the show, Zach and Michelle. Thank you, Claire. Michelle, you and I have known each other for probably 25 years now. I think we've been doing the same job uh, for other magazines for that long. We came up the mastheads together around the same time, sometimes working for competitive magazines. In fact, for a long time, we were working at at competitive magazines. But give us a brief bio of your background, you know, where you went Mm -hmm. to school and where you grew up. Sure. Uh, I was born and raised in Massachusetts, outside of Boston, in, in the Burbs, Framingham. And I went to college in New York City, graduated from Barnard, and then worked for a couple years, then decided to pursue a career in journalism, and I went to Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. Amazing. Very prestigious. That's fantastic. (laughs) Did you feel like there was an advantage to getting an MA in journalism? Not so much. Okay. Uh, It was more about the people I met there and the connections. I actually got my first big magazine job at Glamour through one of my peers in journalism school who knew the current editor and knew she was leaving because she had gotten a very lucrative screenwriting deal. She sold a screenplay to Sony and... Because they were friends, he found out about it right away and mentioned it to me, and I was able to get my resume in before they even, you know, published the job announcement. So. And was this the job as the entertainment editor at yep. Glamour? This was entertainment editor at Glamour. Wow. Correct. And Ruth Whitney was your was your editor. She's a she was she's such a legend. A legend. I in feel this business. so fortunate to have worked with her. I was there for a little over three years and. She was there for two and a half of those years. So it was it was a really, really special time. And I mean, the entire staff was so incredible and went on to do, you know, incredible things. But, you know, she was such a legend. And I think I I saw her once a month. We had a meeting together and she could have cared less about celebrities. Uh, it, It was her least favorite subject. So basically, I would submit a memo. I would go into her office and and sit there and she would say, this all looks good. And I'd have my three pages every month that I produced for her. One was movie reviews. One was a profile of an up and coming celebrity. And the third one was whatever I wanted it to be. It was truly the best job ever. (laughs) It sounds amazing. So you never had any pressure to try and get people for covers because at that point. Right. At that point, it was all models on the covers. 
But what was very interesting is uh, Ruth's last cover at Glamour was actually a celebrity cover, and it was the first cover that I booked in my career. So, And who was that? Well, that was Ms. Halle Berry. Oh, my God. Who, um, it was very interesting. I actually had profiled her for one of those one-page profiles inside the magazine, and I had met with her at the Royalton Hotel. We had met at like four in the afternoon for tea, and I was just so so taken by how beautiful she was and, and how articulate. And she was so forthcoming with information that I remember going back to work, writing up the interview right away, sending it through to Ruth. And my phone rang. She called me into the office and she said, this is an incredible interview. I mean, she she talked at length about she had just gotten out of a relationship in which she said she was abused and, you know, talked about it very openly. And to Ruth, that was really, you know. That's glamour money yes, right there. <laughs> exactly. So she said, do you think we can get her for the cover? I said, I don't know. I'll call the publicist. I called her publicist. She said, well, she's in town Tuesday for a Revlon shoot. How's Wednesday morning? I'm like, sounds good to me. And that was it. And that was the first cover I ever booked. I thought it was always going to be that easy. It's a beautiful cover. Uh, we will be putting these covers up on the Instagram account for this uh, podcast under the covers with Claire. So every cover that we talk about today that Michelle booked are, is going to be up on this website. It's fair, and these covers are gorgeous. You've did you've done such a great job. So did you have a mentor? Was Ruth considered your mentor? Or was Judy? Um, who did you? You know, it's interesting. I also, just to take a step back for a minute, before I worked at Glamour, my first consumer magazine job was at Time Out New York. Uh, oh. When they launched the New York edition, there was obviously the London edition. And Cindy Stivers, who is the editor-in-chief, called me. I was working at a very small nonprofit magazine for independent filmmakers. And she actually called to get a reference for one of my writers, Bob Kolker. And we started talking and I was familiar with Time Out and very excited about it. And I asked her, do you have a, a film editor? You know, someone who's editing the film section. It's funny now when I say film editor, people think I was like in editing the editing the movies, room. Right? Um, but so she said, you know, it's weird. We're launching in three weeks and that's the one position I haven't hired for yet. So I said, you know, where are you at? And she said, I'm at 625 Broadway. I'm like, I'm at 627 Broadway. That's where our offices were. So I ran over with my stuff and was literally hired three days later. That so. is amazing. I love that story. <laughs> You've had a good life. I'm, it's, I'm telling you, Halle it's Berry. all about coincidence, being in the right place at the right time. And what's so funny is I, I definitely seized that moment. But what I didn't know at the time is Cindy had been like a senior level editor at Premiere Magazine. Oh. And so... She basically, I'm sure, had offered pretty much everyone on the staff the position, <laughs> and they'd all turned it down because it was too low paying. But for me, it was like a bump up from what I was making at my little nonprofit film magazine. So I remember um, your byline at Time Out. That is so yeah, funny. And I she gave me forgot. a chance, and it was I was totally green. I mean, I certainly knew the indie film world, but I had not one contact at a film studio or, you know, with a celebrity publicist. And I was so green. So I, I definitely consider her a mentor. She, 
she held my hand for that first year. I and, love that. Uh, and from there, I, I went to Glamour after the first year there. So so you just spent one year doing time out, but it's a weekly. So you, right. you definitely it was exhausting. Your, it was yeah. like camp time out. Like mm-hmm. there was a futon there and we took turns sleeping over. I mean, it was literally I would close the film section on Friday and then Monday, all my copy would be due for the next week. But I had a great staff there. I mean, Stephen Talty was one of my writers. He's gone on to write like incredible novels that have all been turned into screenplays. And look at you. Um, Let me ask you about after the Halle Berry cover, did they get a great response to it? Was there was were people at Glamour suddenly really interested in having celebrities on the cover? Well, did that take a while? There was also a changing of the guard after 32 years, Ruth stepped down and Bonnie Fuller came in. So it then became all celebrity covers all the time under Bonnie. And I had just booked my first celebrity cover. So it was a little um, frightening and the quite a le- fast learning curve. And I was pregnant at the time. And after a few months of being <laughs> pregnant and completely stressed, because, you know, as you know, what goes into booking a cover, mm-hmm. it's all consuming. And, you know, you put everything into it. And oftentimes it doesn't happen. And then the ones you think <laughs> will never happen suddenly come to pass. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually left, and I think you took over for me I there. I did. I think and it's, I And what's so in. funny is I left to work at 17, and you had just left 17. I got your mail for months and months after. So our paths have definitely crossed. That is and so funny. Us. And then I got to work for Bonnie for a full year. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Let's just say that's not the best time in my life. But working for Glamour still has yes. real prestige. Like you put that on a resume. And even now, though, it's only digital. Mm-hmm. By the way, have you looked back on how many of the magazines that you've worked for are now either dead or, or digital? Yes. In fact, <laughs> I have. And it's so sad. All of them including Weight Watchers magazine, which I thought for sure was bulletproof. I actually went to work there after I left Self and thinking, well, you know, the magazine industry is having its issues. But if I work for Weight Watchers magazine, of course, you know, it'll be here forever. And then, you know, I ended up getting laid off because they realized after years and years that they had a digital editorial staff and a magazine editorial staff. And they're like, hmm, redundancies. Why don't we just combine them? The editorial director from the magazine and the website were sort of going toe-to-toe, and, mm-hmm. and the website won. So that was a surprise. Is um, it, is it, I'm wondering if it's still on digital. They're having such a resurgence now as WW. So right. Uh, it's all digital. They got rid of the magazine they did. this mm-hmm. past year in 2019. All right. So let's talk. Let's hold on. Talk. Hold on. There's <laughs> a perception from outside, and I think also from inside the industry that bookers have a very easy job because you just email the publicist, they say yes, and then boom, you've got a cover. So that is exactly how it goes, right? <laughs> well. In our dreams. <laughs> in our dreams. Let's just say, okay, so we have a very good example. I, I really want to talk about this cover that Michelle booked for self because I remember it when it hit my desk and I remember going, what the hell happened? And this will be a good example of how a shoot goes as well. Because yeah. I'm, were you at the Cameron Diaz shoot? Uh, of course. Yeah, okay. I went to all the shoots for some. Okay. Yeah. So Cameron Diaz, a well-known actress, you know, known for her blonde locks, and um, she showed up at a shoot for M- Michelle and for Self with 
do tell everything <laughs> brown hair <laughs> and well, the it thing looks is black. that i i wasn't completely taken off guard because i did get a call from her publicist the night before okay and i often were you in la itself, and it was about 7 30 at night my phone rang i saw his name come up on the screen i was like he's canceling the shoot and i picked up the phone and he said don't worry <laughs> we're not canceling the shoot and i'm like okay then why are you calling me at 7 30 he said you know cameron decided she she really was an inner brunette and she was meant to be a brunette and she dyed her hair brown and i said well can you tell her to dye it back because we have our cover shoot tomorrow he said no she really likes it she wants to keep it that way so we were shooting her the next day in the Hamptons. We had the helicopter fly her out to that private house where we were shooting. Wow. And we did the shoot. And it was just such a bummer because I had worked for years to get that cover. Literally from the day I joined Self, I had gone after her hard. And for whatever reason, her publicist said yes this time around. I think it was for Charlie's Angels, too. And... Nobody recognized her on the cover. It was just a complete debacle. I'm so sorry because, you know, when you're in the business and something like that happens, and I think I was working at Shape when that happened, so yeah. I was trying equally as hard to get Cameron for Shape. And so, you know, you hear through the grapevine as a booker, you hear, oh, Self has Cameron. And I remember just going, oh, man. Ooh, that just burns me. You know, like all of those things that you say when you find out that your competition has someone as amazing as this A-list actor. I mean, Cameron. What year was this, by the way? Do you remember? I don't remember off the top of my head. If it was Charlie's Angels full throttle, it'd be around 2003. Yeah. Oh, that 2003. Right. Okay. Yeah. I love that movie so much. 10 out of 10. <laughs> But she wasn't a brown-haired girl in Charlie's no. Angels, too, right? So she showed up. Who was your um, editor-in-chief at that point? It was Lucy Danziger. Okay. And in fact, when Lucy brought me on board, Self was doing all model covers. And they had maybe had... Barry Nan Cohen had been the previous entertainment editor there. And they had maybe one or two, like, super B, C list. And Lucy wasn't really interested in it. And then... One cover we put, I think it was Julie Bowen on the cover, uh, who wasn't doing much at the time, but, you know, she was very pretty and we thought she'd make a good cover. And so we put her on and it sold like hotcakes. And Cy Newhouse actually called Lucy into his office and said, why did this cover, which was a February cover, which usually is not a great seller, why did this cover sell so much better than every other cover from the last year. And she said, well, there was a celebrity on it. And he said, well, then you know what you have to do. And from that day forward, we had a celebrity on every cover. So when I was hired, it was like, oh, you're going to do three or four covers a year. And then it became 12. And it was intense because I'm sure you had the same experience at Shea. People thought of self as like a quote unquote body book. And, you know, the actresses wanted to be on InStyle or Vanity Fair. Or glamour. Um, or Glamour. They did not want to be on a quote unquote body book unless they were, you know, super healthy mm -hmm. and fitness was their thing, which there were certainly people or they wanted to get healthy. A couple of times we were able to get people because we... <laughs> 
we literally sent them like wheat grass and juicers and like a trainer. Know, a tra- I think we've a sent trainer. trainers. Yes, we did that too. Um, so it was it was really tough, and we were starting from scratch. And Lucy and I made so many trips to LA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you asked earlier about mentors. She really was a mentor. She was a mom of two young kids, and she really believed in work-life balance, and she was so thoughtful. She remembered everybody's birthdays. My father passed away while I was working for her, and, you know, she would call me in her office and be like, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I mean, she really cared about her staff and we would just have a ball we would we perfected the two-day trip to LA where we'd like you know fly out in the morning hit the ground running have two or three meetings hold a dinner that night or some sort of event then the next morning we'd have a breakfast a lunch jump on the four o'clock plane and we'd be home by midnight the next day we were whining and dining the publicists of Los Angeles Constantly, oh it felt like, I felt like I had to go out, and and I have to say, as annoying as it was to have to do this, because it's, you know, you're going in and giving the same spiel to all the different <laughs> uh, groups, and everyone gathers. They're all young, they're all excited, they all want to be, have their clients put on a cover, mm-hmm. and um, all the ones you don't want, <laughs> all the ones that you don't want. But every now and then, you'd get that gem. Like I remember going out to meet Stan Rosenfeld, and we wanted Kelly Ripa. We wanted Kelly Ripa. Yeah. And the the whole trip I, I saw, I went to PMK and BWR, went to all of the different things. And he was our last stop. And at the end of the meeting, he said, you can have Kelly Ripa. And it was like, wow. we just got the, that Yay. was worth the entire trip. You so know, Kelly Ripa was it. like our perennial cover <laughs> itself. Like whenever someone fell through or we needed somebody she was right in new york she was fantastic she was the only celebrity i can recall who ever bought the entire crew margaritas after the shoot you know she was she was always she always sent i remember the funniest thing after we did our first shoot with her she sent the largest basket and i mean you know it was like the size of a <laughs> tree trunk basket. full of candy and cookies and hmm. all these sweets and everything and i remember i actually wrote her a note and i said remind me not to ever tell you that i have that i'm on a diet because this is insane it was insane <laughs> how much sweet things that is she kind sent. of ironic but it was Shane very magazine, nice of her but... very nice of her but, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what magazine was <laughs> she it's funny. You probably had the same. Did you write your cover stories with Kelly? I wrote some of them. Yeah. Um, we had a staff writer, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Breed, who did a lot of the cover oh, stories. Aaron. Yeah. But I did quite a few. I did Rachel Weiss. I did. I'm trying to think. Rachel Weiss was on Self? I did the Blue Crush cover. Yeah, Rachel Weiss That's was so on funny. Self. That's so funny. Wow. Yep. I mean, that is part of what I wanted to ask you about, though. What was your favorite interview that you ever did with someone that you've just had like Hmm. felt you had the most connection with or well you know it's interesting I mean I I loved the Halle Berry interview Mm -hmm. for the reasons I told you about earlier but as I've sort of gotten older and I still you know do celebrity interviews from time to time and I really love interviewing directors and producers Mm -hmm. now I I love hearing about the whole creative process or or interviewing like a director or producer and an actor or two from from a project because then you hear everybody's perspective of how it came together and and I find that super interesting but I could tell you my worst interview moment please do (laughs) or maybe my worst shoot moment I guess I should say I want to hear I think I was I had just had my daughter 
and I was still huge. Like nobody tells you after pregnancy that you still look pregnant for like a couple of months after, unless you're a celebrity and you have, you know, the plastic surgeon sitting by your side when you're giving birth. But I was not feeling my best. And I had to fly to Orlando to do an NSYNC cover. Uh, this is when I was at 17. <laughs> and, you know, they were so hot at the time. They were every girl's dream. And I was like lactating and feeling like <laughs> hiding in a corner and not feeling the love. But we we did a really cool shoot. We ended up like they were hanging from the ceiling at one one point. They were supposed to be like puppets. And, and I have pictures of my son, Polaroids no, no of myself. No strings attached. Well, no strings attached. No strings attached. That's right. That was a great cover. That, that was, was a great really cover. a fun cover. We did. Yeah, we did sort of a, a mock of that. And yeah, but I would say that was probably the worst experience I had just because. Because you felt bad. I felt bad. But were they fun? I mean, they were huge superstars. We really got them at the right moment, which I think, as you know, um, booking covers, it's all about getting people at the right moment. I mean, Absolutely. you know, at the point where they're recognizable and people are going to be excited about reading about them, but not, you know, to the point where they'll only do Vanity Fair or InStyle. Exactly. Um, and so often itself, we would get people and they weren't White at that point. Mm-hmm. Like we did Eva Longoria's first women's magazine cover. And right when Desperate Housewives started, you know, Which I should have been perfect. I saw like the, the pilot. And I was like, we have to do her. Mm-hmm. She's great. And, and she uh, had such a great body. She had such a great yeah. body. But it was almost too soon. Like people didn't know who she was yet. And I mean, there are so many instances of that. And it's so frustrating. Well, one of my favorite parts about what we do for a living or what we have been doing for a living is when a cover is all set to go. Like you said, that 730 call from Brad about Cameron, the first thing you thought was this cover is being canceled. And what do you do when you get that phone call? Mm -hmm. How many times did you have to do that last minute call? I'm calling in a favor. I need a cover. Can you get can you help me to a publicist? Where's Kelly Ripa? Um, Where's Kel- well, I can think of two off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. One, I won't say the celebrity, but we booked it. And then I think something better came along and the publicist pulled it. And I thought if we ever did the same thing, that I would never hear the end of it, you know, and I could not believe and she really didn't give any excuse or anything. She just said, it's not going to happen. Like two days after we had been jumping up and down because we had gotten the cover. And then the second time was much later. It was at the very end of my time itself. And of course, as I'm flying to a cover shoot in Mexico, in a very remote location, I get this message that a cover I had booked was canceling. The timing could not have been worse. When I got back, basically, I was told I should have turned right around, you know, on the plane and come back home immediately after I got that news. But I didn't. I stayed for the shoot and actually had a very nice time with Mandy Moore in Mexico. And we released baby sea turtles into the ocean together. And it was a really nice experience, even though like my stomach did not stop turning the whole time because I was so nervous. But I got home and I was told I had two days to book another cover. And I called in a chit and I got someone who was, you know, equally as good, if not better. Is this Um, before or after? I mean, I know that at some point, for some reason, inexplicably, uh, Anna Wintour got involved with self yes yes well all the Condé Nast magazines when she became the editor it was it was before that 
And it was also before Self had its makeover where, where it became like this very uh, LOL and millennial. It became yeah. a millennial magazine, yeah. which made no sense to, no. to me because I was finding out when I was at Shape that our covers that really were aspirational. So you'd have someone in their 40s with a fantastic body and a, and a great fitness mm-hmm. routine and a diet that they wanted to talk about. People, even if they were younger, they wanted to know how these women were Absolutely. doing. Our best-selling cover at Shape for a minute was the Sharon Stone cover, and she was 56. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, I remember when Self made that decision to go for millennials, and I, I just thought that, really, do we need to know how a 25-year-old is staying in shape? Right. Because right. they're already in shape. Do you, right. think, <laughs> do you think maybe they thought that Shape was going to continue skewing older because of how well that and other covers like that did? And they were like, okay, we're going to go young, they're going to go old, and everyone's going to get rich? No, no. I just think magazines, you know, you have to redesign them. You have to constantly be evolving them. And I think it was not the best decision, but it was something. You know, at the time, social media had really just taken off. So it was all in this sort of like social media speak, you know. And it was, uh, I I couldn't read it. It was painful to me at at that point. And it was short-lived. And then I think at that point, Anna came in and it became sort of the vogue for the sports set. Oh, remember those (laughs) covers? Yeah, the $1,500 sneakers. (laughs) Yes, exactly. uh I remember, uh, who was it? Was it J-Lo that they did? And they had her doing Pilates or something. They kept doing these high-end workouts. So it'd be tennis and or when oh, they right. put Chrissy Teigen on the cover in a motocross outfit <laughs> with motorcycles behind her and I remember thinking well that's a great workout why aren't we all doing that do you know wait, you just reminded me of something so funny not uh, to switch gears but yeah. we did it when I was at 17 a Christina Aguilera cover where oh. she was on a motorcycle oh, oh yes I remember it was and like a Vespa right so many letters like how could you it's so irresponsible to not have her wearing a helmet (laughs) that girl was not going to put on a helmet oh no she was even at a very young age she knew what she wanted like we tried to go light on the makeup the whole idea was to do something very natural and she was so miserable the whole time (laughs) it's amazing we even got a cover shot she was so unhappy with how she looked with very little makeup on and she looked beautiful she was gorgeous girl but yeah she's a tough one i remember my similar, my my one Kim Kardashian. She, we got to oh do. Oh my god, her, you did for, Kim Kardashian. The first she, it was her first big cover. Mm-hmm. Like she had done some of the little, the little ones. But as we all know, Kim is famous um, for wearing so much makeup. Like you know, the fake eyelashes and everything. And we needed that shape. We needed her to be as natural looking as possible mm-hmm. because we would always say, beachy look, beachy locks, right. light makeup, light nails. She comes in and she didn't have any makeup on and and we applied a very light thing with her and we're all getting ready to start shooting and she says, I'll be right back. I just have to use the bathroom. And she's gone for about 15 minutes and when she came back, she had plastered her face with everything. (gasps) The eyelashes and the whole thing and we all, our jaws just dropped as she walked out and went, Okay, then. I guess we're going to be doing some post-editing on post-photoshopping <laughs> on this. And we had to kind of take it down. We had to do a make-under on so Kim. Funny. But similar, yeah. you know. When when an artist doesn't want, or a talent doesn't want to wear what you've brought, for right. example, 
you had a similar situation. Yes, we had a situation where there was an actress who was not feeling good about her arms. And her stylist never mentioned it in the many talks we had prior to the shoot. And it was a summer cover, so we showed up with lots of camis, tank tops, and we found out when we got there that she would only wear sleeves. And we literally had one shirt with sleeves. One. And I think it was from the previous season. It was a Nanette Lepore shirt. But she liked it and she wore it. And that's what we ended up running. You, ended, you, could, you did one outfit for one the outfit. shoot. Wow. Yep. Remember, I mean, how many had you... What's the most that you guys would... We would do like five cover yeah. outfits. Oh, the most. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, probably five or five, six. right? Yeah. I mean, it was typical to do three or four but then someone would show up on the inside yeah and often you know on the toc or something like that but it was definitely uh you don't want to say what actress that was that didn't like her arms (laughs) that's okay i'll put it i'm putting it in the (laughs) putting it in the instagram that's right (laughs) no one will connect those dots (laughs) no one will ever guess um so you have trans you have transitioned to another sort of publishing job yes, right yes. I mean but you are booking covers still and in, um, in an interesting way well I'm working with some celebrities or influencers mm. as we call them now mm. in the business but I've been doing for the past couple of years I guess you call it content marketing branded content mm-hmm. custom content which is really you know writing articles and and producing videos you know very much like magazine articles some are digital some are in print but instead of writing it for the magazine brand itself, you're writing it for advertisers uh, in the voice of that particular magazine, magazine brand. So You um, just did a big campaign, didn't you? With, with... I did. I did for Ford uh, Motor Company. It was the second year we did a women's initiative uh, where we profiled five women who work in traditionally male-dominated fields. And, Within the auto industry or just... Uh, one of them works for Ford as uh-huh. an engineer. She was actually on the team that pioneered the use of soybeans in oh. seat cushions, oh, which wow. is pretty cool. But four of them, one was uh, a travel journalist mm. who's been on the Travel Network, um, a person of color who said she never saw anyone like her growing up. And, mm. you know, I, I like the real women. You yeah. know, I, I find their stories just as fascinating as the celebrities. I feel like if if you're a storyteller, you can find, you know, what's interesting about everyone's story. And that's what I try to do still. Do you miss working in the traditional magazine world? And what's your what's your thoughts on where magazines are today? Yeah, I do sometimes miss it, I have to say, although I don't miss like every story being edited a dozen times until you find, you, you know, you feel like, uh, you know, every germ of what made it a good story is gone. But, you know, it's interesting because I still work in a magazine publishing company. I'm at a creative agency in a magazine publishing company. So I still work all the time with editors, which is nice. And I still see a lot of, of my friends from the past. But, it's definitely different. And I think even 
people I know who still work in the business say how different it mm-hmm. is now. You know, their staffs are a lot smaller and they're doing a lot more work. And I don't think it's as fun. Like, I feel so lucky to have worked in magazines at a time, you know, like a hundred years from now, people are going to be saying, wow, it would have been so great to work in magazines. And you were a really, you spent a lot of years at Condé Nast, which was yeah. like the epitome of treating editors like goddesses yeah, like I'm you all have a pension of some sort oh, I don't know every fantastic. like three years they send me a letter saying something about my pension that I don't understand they never say how much it's going to be but it's a surprise you know I'm but I'm going to get something from them and if, nobody if, gets pensions anymore around. like that yeah. really is a negotiating yes. thing that they use to say yeah. no sorry yeah you're like no if you get Condé Nast was an amazing I mean you know it's I still talk to a lot of people I work with there we joke about you know the the lunches we could expense and the uh I mean there the, the cars it was, it was crazy the, the amount of money we did um at one point, we did Jennifer Aniston. You know, we tried and tried and tried to get her for a cover. It never panned out. But at one point, I think right when she was going through her divorce, she was doing yoga a lot. And she really felt that that helped her uh, get through the divorce. And so she wanted to do a piece with her yoga instructor, Mandy Ingber. But her publicist insisted it had to be an inside feature. We could not put her on the cover. We said, fine. But we treated it as if it were a cover. I mean, basically, we were flying them by private plane to a resort in Mexico. And whatever they asked for, we just said, yes, 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 it was going to happen. So, so how I do have to ask, like, how much was what were what were the numbers that they were talking about? Oh, my if God. this had happened, are we talking? I think the plane itself is 30,000. Okay. So um, and an average shoot is 50 to 75,000. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so to add that we were, to the we were willing to do it to get to say we had shot Jennifer Aniston. And ironically, what happened, it was so funny, uh, or not funny, the day before the shoot, there was a hurricane in Mexico. And her publicist called saying, again, the 7.30 at night call that you never want to get, saying she's not going to fly to Mexico. And so, you know, I ran down to the photo director and I said, what do we do? She said, it's fine. We'll book a house in LA. We'll, We'll, you know, we... She canceled the, that private plane right away. She canceled the resort. Everything was fine. We got all our money back. We ended up looking good. And then we shot her at a house in L.A. That is crazy. Uh-huh. And the thing that all the hoops that you were made to jump through to make this uh-huh. happen. Oh, it was... And then in a snap, it ends up being at where we always shoot, you know, at the uh, top of a hotel in Los Angeles or wherever. Yeah, right. And, and those home. were the best ones. Yeah. That were, I mean, the fact that, you know, that was so last minute and kind of on the fly, it was, uh, it turned out to be a great shoot. And yeah, I mean, the, the amount of money and the amount of negotiations. Mm. I mean, I think Zach asked earlier about, you know, oh, isn't it easy just to, I mean. That was sarcastic, by the way. <laughs> it, by the time we got to the shoot, we, we were so worn down by all the requests and all the, you know, it has to be this stylist and this hair and makeup person. And and there was this constant struggle because we were paying for it. We wanted it to look like a self cover or a 17 cover or a glamour cover. Right. Um, 
But that's the publicist's job, really, is to protect the celebrity's image and to mold it into whatever they wanted it to be. And obviously, as the years went on and all the tabloids came out, it made it harder and harder for them to maintain control. Mm -hmm. So they got more and more controlling when it came to the shoots. And I remember, actually, when I started at 17, we used to be able to get celebrities to do covers if they had a cause they really cared about. In fact, we got Angelina Jolie for that reason when she was involved with the UN um, and she was doing a movie where she played a UN aid worker which I think made about a hundred thousand dollars that was for 17 Uh, no that was actually for self oh for self okay um, it was that's a funny story because I flew out there a day early because my sister-in-law was living in London I want to have dinner with her this was a shoot Um, for self in London yes and I have a connecting story to to put yes which I didn't know about Uh, but it's so funny so I flew out early I was there we were supposed to shoot her the next day or two days later and All of a sudden, I'm watching the news in my hotel room, and I see that there's a blackout in New York, (laughs) and there's no electricity anywhere, and all the airports are shut down, and um, it turns out no one from the crew, the photographer, hair and makeup, stylist, nobody, creative director, could get a flight to London. And so I called the studio because we had booked it through Paramount. And I said, is there another day we can do the shoot? The crew can't get here. And they said, no, Angelina is leaving tomorrow. She's not going to be here after tomorrow. You, it's either tomorrow or, or nothing. forget it. So I found out at that point that the photographer who was shooting her for Red Book, which is where I was, I had just booked her for a Red Book cover. Crazy. And it was going to be the day before or the, Day after you or something, I can't remember. I think it was the same day, like morning and afternoon. Right. So somebody told me the photographer was staying at my hotel. I literally was putting notes under his door. He didn't answer. So I finally knocked on the door and like begged him, please, will you shoot our cover? And um, I guess he had to get permission from your editor-in-chief at Redbook. I guess so. He he ended up saying he would do it. I literally had to find hair and makeup and a stylist. The stylist showed up for the shoot with a tiny little valise, like a tiny suitcase. It had five pieces of wrinkled clothing in it. (laughs) Like we had nothing. And I basically was the creative director, (laughs) the stylist, the hair and makeup overseer. I mean, you know, usually my role at the shoot was to you know, spend the day hanging out with the publicist, yeah. make sure everything was cool with the talent and sort of do a lot of handholding and often and reassuring me, that everything was going to be great. Everything was For me, it was often a way to book the next cover with and, that publicist, like schmooze yeah. and just Absolutely. get them loose and have, have them realize what a fun experience it is <laughs> exactly. to do the shoot with us. Yeah. That is so funny, though, yeah. that uh, you were the cover booker at Red Book at the time. At the and time. we shared her. We uh, shared her. And I'm looking at your Angelina cover. Again, go and look at it on the Instagram. And it is, she. it looks like a Red Book cover to me. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, you know, interestingly, really it wasn't show my, her body. my favorite cover. Yeah. But she but she's wearing a muumuu. She at the shoot, it was very interesting. She said... When she was going through the five items of clothing mm-hmm. we had to offer, she said, I don't think my character in the movie would wear this. Ah. And we said, but Who your cares? character in the movie isn't shooting this cover. You are. And she said, well, I like to dress in character. <laughs> and oh, um, again, it would have been nice to know that in advance. And I think the other thing I learned from that shoot is Angelina does not like orange blush or lipstick. 
Yeah. It's a very pretty cover and she looks she looks gorgeous and she hasn't changed a bit. Um, All right. Well, I think that we've reached the end of our. We're getting the signal that this is the end of our uh, discussion. I I know we go on for hours more. I know we could. They're throwing us out of the venue. But I wanted. I want to thank you so much for talking to us and telling us all of your experiences as a as a cover booker i really enjoyed it Uh, do you have any any last things that you want to say like i did have a question do you remember reading magazines growing up were magazines an important part of your life or did you they know were, this is from, what you wanted to do? Uh, my teen years on, they absolutely yeah. were. And were you I a think 17 YM, w- oh, YM. YM was my first subscription. <laughs> I'm a trader. But I remember the boy was my face red column. <laughs> was my favorite thing to read. And in Glamour, it was the um, sticky situation oh, of the month. I loved and that And the do's column. and don'ts. And the do's I, and don'ts. Actually, right. I don't know if I should say this, but a good friend of mine in LA got to be a don't. <gasps> I'm so happy for her. <laughs> it was her claim to fame. Oh my God, I'd love to be a don't. She was on the beach holding a poodle in a bikini and had a big bar across her face. And... That is so yeah. funny. So, Michelle, where can people see the work that you're doing? Do you have a Twitter or Instagram or any place that would be fun to go and find Absolutely. Um, probably the best place would be my LinkedIn mm-hmm. uh, profile. I also have my own website for my own content business, which is Root Words Inc. So it's just www.rootwordsinc.com. And root is R-O-O-T. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Not rude words. Or root, R-O-U-T-E. Who knows? All right. So R-O-O-T. Words. words Mm Words.com. Perfect. I'm so happy that you were here. This was super, super fun. This was so fun. I know we could do this. We could go on forever. But we are going to leave everyone uh, wanting more. And I would like you to be a guest again, if you would not mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is the end of that, Zach. Thank you so much for asking all of your pertinent questions. Yeah, you forgot about it. I think they helped a lot. And I appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening to Under the Covers with Claire Connors. That's me. I'll see you next time under the covers on jasoncharles.net. You've been listening to Under the Covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net. For more information about Claire Connors, a.k.a. Claire the Celebrity Booker, go to Claire the Celebrity Booker on Instagram. This would be out this month. JasonCharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.